0: Hey everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages.
1: My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife as always, Liberty.
0: We're a married couple with different interests and we try to drag each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports.
1: Today is the sports episode and it is full of hockey things, which is kind of fitting considering where we were for like the last week.
0: We did a hockey trip, went to Pittsburgh. Went to DC.
1: I thought for a second you forgot that we went to Pittsburgh because I'm like, A, that's where we were the longest. B, that's your team. That would be so sad if that you forgot would be really that. Sad. I'm trying to forget that portion of the hockey trip just because... It was a
0: great game for me to go to.
1: Yeah, because Flower allowed his opposing team three goals and then a fourth one, but like, I don't blame him for one of the three.
0: Sounds like we still would have beaten you.
1: Well, it ended up being five to two, so maybe we would have gone to overtime, so it could have been exciting.
0: And then when we went to DC, I was the lone Penguins fan in the whole arena. It felt like I was getting crapped on by everyone around us, which was... What's so much fun.
1: Funny about it is, I like through the whole first period, I don't think anybody noticed that you really were a Penguins fan. It was like the second period. I had period.
0: my shirt on. I didn't wear a jersey to the game. So maybe that is why.
1: Yeah. If you wore a jersey to do it, it would have been like a giant sore thumb. Like here I am. But we decided not to do jerseys just because, A, we didn't want the negative attention. We wanted to actually enjoy the atmosphere of the stadium and the game. So, like for obvious reasons we didn't want to be heckled everywhere we walked albeit there i saw two Penguins fans wearing their jerseys while I was there. So yeah. like there were two others mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as I knew.
0: Well, and we're doing what I call like an arena tour where we try to check off as many arenas as we can during the year because we want to eventually go to all 32. Yeah, And so in this trip, we did Pittsburgh, which I've never been to before. And it was our home opener and we beat up your team and it was wonderful. And then we went to DC to go to a Caps game and that was an experience
1: yeah so the pittsburgh game wasn't so bad conveniently well it was bad for my team but not bad for me like the fans didn't really like heckle me by any reason or rhyme which usually speaking like from my experiences with other hockey stadiums southern california we won't say the names well let's just Let's do it. Both teams in Southern California. Right. Whenever I wear a Blackhawks jersey, if we win or lose, I'm always being heckled. So like it was a weird experience. Like here in Dallas, I don't get heck, but like.
0: In DC, it was pretty bad being a Pens fan at a DC game where the Pens weren't playing. Yeah. Like it would have been bad enough if the team had been there, but for some reason it felt worse because it was like I was behind enemy lines rooting against the home team. Yeah. And not for the team that's currently playing them. It was just like, I'm at a game to go to this arena. I don't have a horse in this race, really. Yeah. But as a Penns fan, my soul would have left my body if I had rooted for the Cap. So obviously I rooted for the Avalanche.
1: So like sitting where we sat, there were two people and I'm glad I didn't tell them about the podcast because here I am going to route all over them about how (sighs) annoying they were. But like... I felt like the people to our left and right weren't so bad. Like It the, was
0: the people in front of us that were the major problem. Like,
1: cause we had like a younger hockey couple next to us to our right and they, they were nice people. I I felt like, like he was like, Oh, a Penguins fan. And that was about the end of the heckling you got, which from him. Yeah. And, and like his other half, I don't know that she was a diehard hockey fan, but she was talking hockey. So I can't take that away from her. I've got to give her some credit because I don't want to be that guy. Like the, Two guys that were in front of us that were doing that to you. Right. Like, you're a female I, person. How do you know hockey things?
0: At one point, one of the guys said, you're all right, but you're a lady friend. And I was like, excuse me.
1: You're right. Like,
0: I, I about left my seat at that point.
1: A, she's my wife. B, she probably knows more about hockey than you do. But... That's not here nor there.
0: I mean, that's kind of the frustrating thing because the girl who was on my right and myself, we were the only girls in, like, that vicinity of people that interacted with us during the game. And it's like we were both talking about hockey and we were both reacting to what was happening on the ice. And if we were dudes, like, no one would need more proof than that, that we like hockey and understand the sport. Right. But the fact of the matter is we were both female, so we're all expected to have, like, a higher standard of knowing the sport and having hockey IQ in order to be qualified as, like, a true fan. Yeah. And I especially got that treatment from the people in front of us. And uh, they just got drunker as the game went on. I'm like, if you're a Caps fan, I feel like you would need to drink because you're rooting for the effing Caps. But obviously the Caps won that game.
1: Yeah, they they manhandled the Avalanche, which was definitely not what I expected from that game. I I thought it was going to be a good game, like evenly matched, and it just wasn't.
0: Well, it seemed like, and we said this multiple times when we were watching the game, the Avalanche were making junior league mistakes. Like, you should have worked this out already. You should know better and not fall into those pitfalls.
1: Right. At the same time, I know that we're all human, but like that excuses one mistake, not like a dozen Right. And so, like the fans next to me were very nice on my left. Like mm-hmm. it was a uh, son and dad. The dad was at granddad age, and the son was like I would say probably in his fifties, roughly. Right. But they both were like kind of egging on the people in front of us, but like laughing at them in the process right, of doing this. Right. So it was kind of entertaining to but watch. But the
0: people in front of us were so drunk they didn't realize they were being made fun of. So like at least that is kind of nice that they don't know they're being made fun of, but still.
1: Yeah. At the end of the game, he kind of just like patted me on the shoulder. It was like, it was fun watching the game with you. And I was like, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm like, when, you know, you can bring actual conversation to what's going on on the ice rather than just giving high fives and fist bumps because you don't make sense with what you're talking about related to what's going on. I don't know. I feel like they're less of a hockey fan than anybody in the stadium at that rate, but that's just me.
0: Well, and, Being in Dallas, we see that a decent amount going to their home games because you're in Texas, like almost no one knows anything about hockey here. It's all about football. Yeah. And if you go to a Stars game, either you're a transplant from somewhere else or you've been in Dallas so long, it's just something you grew up with, but you don't have people who just start later in life with the Dallas hockey team
1: in fairness like since the stars have been here in dallas hockey as a sport has grown drastically in the area but it's it's kind of like the same situation it's like a southern california thing where i grew up a lot of my years where it's just like there's there's hockey here but like there's no programs necessarily right and And that's
0: the difference between here and up north
1: right whereas like up in the northern midwest and the northeast and canada for that matter like there's like public youth programs like you don't have to pay nearly as much money as you would say like in southern california or here in texas you have to play for private clubs here there are no public teams like a yso of hockey or like a little league of hockey like they it doesn't exist it makes sense that it's not growing as quickly in these markets like i think the stars are trying to implant things like that they've done a lot of youth camps and stuff like that that are free so you just show up and you get the opportunity to like work with actual hockey coaches yeah
0: though I will say that when there was that Stanley Cup run for the Dallas Stars we heard them talk about it on regular radio yeah one day when we were just running errands I was like what the hell is this I haven't heard you guys talk about hockey ever living here for three years
1: Yeah, and that kind of continues to prove the bandwagon effect of a good sports team in Texas, (coughs) Cowboys. But um, everybody says they're Cowboys fans until they're losing, losing, and then they're like, yeah, I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not a Cowboys fan. You know, get on the bandwagon like a Chicago sports fan where once you're there, you're there forever, whether they suck or they don't, i.e. every sports team in Chicago, other than the Chicago Sky, which we will blurb a little bit about later in the podcast so
0: but that was a really long introduction to say that we are back from vacation yes and we'll get right into it with hockey and covid this is a little late coming out because we were on vacation when this happened but the nhl is down to four players who have not received the vaccination for covid as of the season opening game between the tampa bay lightning and the pittsburgh penguins Commissioner Bettman said, our vaccination rate is incredible. Four players, not 4% of players. All of our officials are vaccinated. All of the personnel that come into contact with the players are vaccinated. And so I'm very excited. I want to know who those four people are so I can just go give them the vaccine in their sleep.
1: Yeah, I know actively that two of those four players were starting the process of being vaccinated, but they weren't fully vaccinated, so they can't count. But that's still a pretty crazy number, only four remaining. You know, like, we have NBA players that aren't even getting the opportunity to play right now because they don't want to get vaccinated, so... Right. And then we'll kind of go into player health. There's quite a bit of it because the hockey season's begun and injuries come with hockey. And that's just the way it is. Blake Wheeler will miss 10 days, which includes four games due to testing positive for COVID-19. Under current protocol, he will need two negative tests after those 10 days to return. So he might be gone for a little while. Yeah. And then the Oilers have also placed Mike Smith on the injured reserve list. On Wednesday for a lower body injury that was sustained in the second period of Tuesday's game against Anaheim Ducks, they recalled goalie Stuart Skinner from their AHL team in Bakersfield, the Condors. So I feel like that's a really long trip to be like called back from the AHL, like from California all the way to Edmonton. Like it's a trek.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And then Shane Pinto will miss tonight's game, and that was yesterday, Saturday, against the Rangers due to an upper body injury he suffered after taking a rough hit from Mario Ferrero of the San Jose Sharks. It was a clean hit, but because he lost his balance after the hit, he kind of went shoulder and face first into the boards, mm. but he was like a good 10 feet away from the boards when he was hit, so it's like... It's not boarding. It wasn't boarding, Uh, and it definitely wasn't intentional to try to hurt him. He just, he got rocked. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it.
0: And then we have the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are opening up some cap space here with Zach Bogosian, who will be out four to six weeks with a lower body injury.
1: And that's not really the only player that (laughs) was moved to the LTIR for our good friends, the Lightning Our favorite person in the whole wide world, Nikita Kucherov, of course, has been placed on the LTIR for Tampa Bay. He will be out indefinitely because of a lower body injury, but is expected to return this season. Basically, the expectation at this point is he's going to miss a minimum of 10 games, which he has to miss no matter what, because he's being placed on LTIR based off CBA rules. And this was allowing them to currently remove $9.5 million from the team's salary cap. So...
0: Now they have so much space.
1: Temporarily, Yes. Just hoping it doesn't become a whole season thing like it did the last two seasons in a row. Nikolai Kinyizov, that was probably horrible, is expected to be out 8-10 to weeks for the San Jose Sharks after the defenseman had surgery for a lower body injury this past Friday.
0: We also have Max Domi, who is expected to be out 2-4 to weeks for the Columbus Blue Jackets because of a rib fracture. I'm hoping it's not too bad because otherwise they need to expand it longer than 4 weeks, I feel like.
1: Yeah, it's probably like a hairline thing you got to feel like if it's only four to six weeks. Like, can't be anything too crazy.
0: Yeah. Jack Hughes was placed on IR by the New Jersey Devils with a dislocated shoulder and will be reevaluated later this week. It looks like he's not going to require surgery and he's currently doing physical therapy for the injury. So it doesn't look like anything got torn or messed up with the dislocation and putting his shoulder back in place.
1: That's good for him because he's kind of been an important piece for the New Jersey Devils this season so far, to say the least.
0: And then the last injury I have is that Max Jones will be out four to six months for the Anaheim Ducks because of a torn pectoral muscle. That doesn't sound good. My chest hurts thinking about it.
1: Yeah. anything pectoral injury related stuff, especially with hockey, like because like... Arm motions for skating and like hitting and stick handling, like all important things that the pectoral muscle is involved in. That's why
0: he'll be out four to six months. Yeah. That's a long time in the hockey world. Yeah. That's a lot of game.
1: And then we had a lot of signings, but a lot of this stuff was from the week we were gone. On vacation, yeah. Correct. Not so much at this point in the season, so.
0: We'll just run through those real fast for you guys. Mika Zibinejad has agreed to an eight-year contract extension with the New York Rangers. The financial terms weren't disclosed when I was typing up my notes, so I don't know if that's come out since then. I don't think it has. It looks like some organizations are still trying to not disclose financial terms for some of their contracts.
1: Looking into it a little bit further, it looks like the contract is an 8-year contract worth $68 million, so it's about an $8.5 million salary cap hit, so pretty good chunk of change. Yeah. And then one that I was excited and confused with, Eric Gustafson signed a one-year $800,000 contract with the Chicago Blackhawks. Obviously, we're not taking a huge risk necessarily by signing him, but at the same time, it's just like... We traded him away for a reason because he wasn't performing. So, like, why are we bringing him back? I don't understand.
0: I mean, it's barely above league minimum. So, I don't know that this is going to be, like, a bad contract for you guys or anything.
1: I think the big mistake is when he first started playing with us this season after this contract signing, he's been in the number one defensive pair, which he doesn't belong in. And, like... They're trying to use him like a Duncan Keith, and I'll be honest with you, I'd rather have old Duncan Keith back in there than Gustafson at this point, so like, it's just not a good balance to a player like Seth Jones, who wants to get involved with all the offensive side of the puck as well, so I don't know that it's the best combination yet, but I'm not an NHL coach, and Colleton probably won't be much longer either, so we'll see what he ends up doing, I guess. And it looks like Jack Johnson signed a one-year contract with the Colorado Avalanche. In the same situation, it seems like the financial terms really hadn't been released necessarily.
0: It seems like those take a little longer coming out of some camps than other ones. Right. And then you had Nick Suzuki sign a contract of eight years, $63 million extension with the Montreal Canadiens. It has an AAV of $7.875 million and runs through the twenty nine thirty season, which don't feel like real years, but apparently they are because there's a contract going that long.
1: Well, he's in his sophomore year, like, truly. He played that shortened season for his first year, and then last year was a shortened season. So, like...
0: They kind I, of make one season?
1: Yeah, together, like, because he only played in half of the original one of the shortened season, so when COVID hit, so... The reality is, like, it's his sophomore year contract, so it kind of makes sense to sign a young, talented guy like that for a longer term. I kind of agree with it. I feel like he's one of the future pieces for the Canadians, so yeah. it's not a, a bad move. And the one that I've been really over the moon about, you guys signed him the day the season started. Yes. Brian Boyle, for the league minimum, 750000 for a one-year contract with your Penguins.
0: He's already been good to us. So far this season.
1: Three assists and three goals. So yeah, in like five games, that's pretty impressive. Yes. I think you got to steal with this one. We'll see how long he carries it through. But like he had an off two years the last two seasons. So like you guys were definitely taking a risk with this. But so far, you've reaped the rewards. Right, right. So... As well, too, he's a big-body guy, so, like, if you need an enforcer, which the Penguins do, especially now that Malkin is not on the ice. I mean,
0: it feels like we kind of need a little bit of every position.
1: Yeah. Yeah. At the current moment. So he's, I think, going to be a really good fit for you guys, whether he be, like, a third-line guy eventually when everybody comes back healthy. I think having a big-body third-liner that can get in front of goalies, and he's a wall. He literally will block the view of a goalie by himself, is going to give those lower lines some really good scoring opportunities. So I I think it's a great, great deal. You guys stole it, for sure.
0: Yeah. Matthias Ekholm signed a four-year, $25 million contract with the Nashville Predators while we were gone. This one has an AAV of $6.25 million and begins next season.
1: Also this week, Ryan Pollock has agreed to a contract reportedly for eight years with the New York Islanders. The financial terms were also not disclosed, at least based off your notes.
0: When I checked, they weren't. Yeah. Charlie McAvoy signed an eight-year, $76 million contract with the Boston Bruins, and this one has an AAV of $9.5 million. This is
1: one I'm also not shocked to see money thrown at. He was a key piece over the last two years for the team, and if they didn't pay him, somebody else definitely was going to, so it just kind of makes sense to give him that extension, so... Ready to Chuck signed a seven-year, $57.5 million contract with the Ottawa Senators. Has an AAV of 8.214. I hate when teams do this. Right? Just... Give Make it a it round, a round number. number. Yeah, 8.25. Just call it what it is. That would be even better than 8.214. And but it then runs... they'd have
0: to pay .036 more.
1: Yeah. And it runs through 2027-2028 season. Again, not shocked. This guy has like been a centerpiece for their organization over the last few seasons. So, kind of a no-brainer. you got to keep the good pieces around if you're going to succeed and the senators need all the good pieces they can get because boy they have been the laughing stock of the nhl over the last few seasons so shy and baby buffalo like taking that stick from them
0: not necessarily this season though buffalo's not doing too bad
1: they're not for the first week they actually were in first place in the eastern conference which is insane
0: was probably a shock to everyone including buffalo the buffalo savers
1: yes and one that we witnessed in person. I don't know why we didn't talk about it earlier.
0: Because it's in other news and not COVID or injuries or signings.
1: But I'm saying we were there when this happened. So Pittsburgh Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan became the winningest head coach in Penguins history by defeating the Chicago Blackhawks in their home opener this season. The final score was 5-2. to two. It was kind of cool to witness that piece of Penguins history. So
0: And we also got to see a first time for us at any hockey game we've been to live the glass smashed right behind. Yeah, uh, from a flurry.
1: a slap shot that went over everything.
0: Right. Yeah. What else did we get to see live that we didn't get to see before? Um, an embellishment call. An embellishment call. A short-handed goal for the Avalanche at the DC game. Yeah, it was. It was
1: a lot of first times for us. I'm starting to feel like the Seattle Kraken right now. A lot of first times.
0: All over the place. Yeah.
1: And this week also, Sergei Bobrovsky earned his 300th career win against the Avalanche with a score of 4-1. to He has three of the team's four wins this season so far. So it's a pretty cool little step into the career with a 300th win. It's a pretty large number for a goalie, so... Yeah. And boy, oh boy, this is the fun one. Jack Eichel debacle continues this week with him putting together his final case opportunity to argue for a disc replacement surgery... That has never been performed on an NHL player before, and I think that's where the big issue is. They're not going to
0: approve this. They're just not.
1: What sucks for Eichel about this is he can protest as much as he wants, but actively the NHL Players Association, current CBA, does allow the team to have the final say on how to address injuries. If it was another health-related thing, he would have the right to do it, but because it was an injury during a hockey game they're able to speak to what his options are for his personal health, which I think is weird.
0: I think it has to do with who's paying to get it taken care of because the league is paying for him to get this injury taken care of. If it was something that happened off-site, not during a game, etc., then he would be taking care of it out of his medical insurance and all of the stuff with that and not actually having the league pay for it. So I feel like this is the reason that They have the final decision.
1: Right. Multiple teams have reached out showing interest to trade for him this week, but every offer required Buffalo to retain portions of his contract.
0: That's not going to happen.
1: Buffalo's GM has pretty much come in outright and said, we're not retaining a penny of his contract. Like if, if he's leaving, we're getting first round picks and we're not retaining a cent. These teams have already approved the ability for him to do the surgery that he wants. So obviously Eichel's like, just move me somewhere. Right. these teams are willing to let me do what I want to do. The recovery time is shorter for that surgery, so it's just like...
0: I don't see how it's in Buffalo's best interest to trade him.
1: Unless they can dump the cap completely and get some first-rounders out of it. I agree.
0: Even then, I would question a decision to trade him because he had been such a core component of that team. Yeah. So I don't know that that would make sense. I can understand that. And the rest of the hockey news is just people behaving badly because it's that time of the year, I guess. It's a lot. The
1: season started, basically.
0: It's a lot. So starting with the Colorado Avalanche, their forward, Gabriel Landeskog, has been suspended for two games without pay for boarding Chicago Blackhawks forward Kirby Dock during the game on Wednesday, October 13th. Landis Cog will forfeit $70,000 based on his average annual salary.
1: That's a pretty good chunk. You know, the CBA stuff normally keeps that to a smaller number, but because he's paid so much and it's it's percentage-based. It's proportional, so Yeah. yeah, that would
0: make sense. And Detroit Red Wings forward Dylan Larkin has been suspended for one game without pay for roughing Tampa Bay Lightning forward Matthew Joseph in the game on Thursday, October 14th. He will forfeit $30,500 based on his annual salary.
1: Players fund is getting that money.
0: <laughs> it really is. You also had the Calgary Flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson, who has been fined $5,000 for roughing Edmonton Oilers forward Kaylor Yamamoto during a game on Saturday, October 16th.
1: And here locally, the Dallas Stars forward Radik Foxa has been fined $5,000 for slashing Ottawa Senators forward Tim Stutzel during the game on Sunday, October 17th. What's rough about this is Tim Stutzel was one of like the higher draft picks in the last draft. So right. it's just like he's probably playing his second or third official game at that point. So it's like, welcome to the NHL.
0: Here's laughing. Yes. Then St. Louis Blues forward Pavel Buchnevich has been suspended for two games without pay for headbutting Arizona Coyotes forward Lawson Cruz during the game on Monday, October eighteenth. Buchnevich is considered a repeat offender under the terms of the CBA, and based on his average annual salary, will forfeit one hundred forty-one thousand four hundred sixty-three dollars and forty-two cents. Crime wanna, doesn't pay.
1: I don't want to like accept fines. S- say this, but like, Carey Price is going to have some good money coming his way because he's going to be sitting out collecting from the CBA. Like, woof. That's tough.
0: Well, when you're a repeat offender and you make a decent amount of money, yeah, that's going to happen to you. Yep. That's just what it is.
1: He should have a serious conversation with Evander Kane and then realize that it's not worth it.
0: Right. Speaking of which, Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks has been suspended 21 games for violating NHL COVID protocol. He is eligible to return on November 30th for the game against the New Jersey Devils.
1: And so this was related to him not taking the COVID protocol seriously at all, like one bit, and then getting sick and then reporting to practice. So it's like, come on, man. Dude, you just, you're, you are the dark spot on the NHL right now in such a bad way. Like, it's not good. I mean,
0: part of his dark spot on the league is his ex-wife suddenly going for blood in every way and invoking all these sorts of... Protocols they have in place for investigations for bad behavior, but at the same time, like, you did that. Yeah. Your wife, or your soon-to-be ex-wife, didn't tell you to do these things. You did this yourself.
1: And he's been suspended in the past for gambling, so, like, the accusation wasn't that far-fetched.
0: Right, right.
1: He literally went bankrupt because of his gambling habit. So, like, he's an NHL player that gets paid millions of dollars and then, like, Dare we talk about all the other sponsorships that he had at that point in time, like that got thrown away. It's like, come on, man, like you're being set up for success. And then you're just like, I'm just going to light everything on fire. I'm right, a Vanderkane. Right.
0: But even going away from like the personal life stuff, this is just unprofessional during the time of COVID to not take this stuff seriously.
1: Absolutely. And then last but not least, Florida Panthers forward Joe Thornton.
0: How weird does that sound? It
1: sounds gross. Like, it was weird when he was with the Maple Leafs last year. and Somehow this is weirder. It really is. He's been fined $1,875 for slashing Tampa Bay Lightning forward Boris Kachuk. During Kachuk? K- I don't think that's Kachuk, but maybe. Kachuk. It's Russian, so. Ketchup. It's definitely not ketchup. During the game on Tuesday, October 9th. So it's still just weird seeing Joe Thornton not with the Sharks, considering he literally played almost his entire career there.
0: Until these past two seasons. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But we're moving on to the world of the NFL. Is um, the
0: season not over yet?
1: It's barely started. <laughs> we're, I think, we're week seven now. So we're about halfway through the season.
0: Not even, because you guys play 17 weeks, right? Yes. Yeah. Not even. <laughs> I'm so sad now.
1: I'm sorry. But we'll start off with player health because there wasn't really much going on in the world of COVID. Bills tight end Dawson Knox will be out for an unknown timetable due to him breaking a bone in his hand during Monday's game against the Titans. What's crazy about this is he threw a touchdown pass after he came back from being diagnosed with the injury. Like they let him back on the field and threw a touchdown pass, and then immediately it was like, yeah, I can't go any further than that. It was a trick play.
0: It took everything out of me just to throw this one touchdown.
1: Well, it's in the hand that he used to throw the ball. And right, right. He, he was in excruciating pain because he has a broken bone in that hand. So the trick play worked. They scored a touchdown, but at the same time, it's like now we definitely know there's something really bad going on in there. And then Baker Mayfield this week announced that he also has a fractured humerus bone in his non-throwing shoulder. He actively also has that torn labrum that we've discussed over the last couple weeks that he's been deciding to play with in the same shoulder. They're actively putting him week to week with this injury that they're saying will definitely require surgery during the offseason to fix. I guess it's like a a hairline fracture in the bone. So, like, like we'll just let him sit for a couple of weeks and see if it heals itself before we just go full tilt and go do the surgery. I'm like...
0: I mean, that sounds like something most doctors would want you to do anyway. Yeah. Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which is what a name, will be out a few weeks with an MCL sprain and has been placed on IR by the team.
1: And then continued injury news for this running back, Panthers placed running back Christian McCaffrey on IR for a hamstring strain. It's like, I really want this guy to do well, but every single year he's hurt for, like, good chunks of the season. So it's just like, man, like, he gets a 99 in Madden every single year, but then plays, like, a third of the year. So it's like, how? How?
0: Should he have a 33 in Madden?
1: A 33? Yeah. (laughs) Because he's only playing a third of the season? Yeah. Yeah. The reality is... When it comes to player health, he should have a zero score because he's always hurt. Like, you have your captain bubble wrap. This man is the captain bubble wrap of the Panthers.
0: Or in Madden, should they make it so that you can only pick him for every third game you play on it?
1: (laughs) I don't know if it's quite that bad, but yes. Vikings quarterback Patrick Peterson has been placed on IR with a hamstring injury. No idea for how long because they're not in our notes, so...
0: It's because they didn't say. Yeah. A lot of the time when we don't have a clue what's going on, it's because people don't tell us what's going on. Yeah. The Titans have placed rookie cornerback Caleb Farley on IR for a knee injury. It's assumed that he has torn his ACL, but he will undergo an MRI this week to confirm what happened and then probably surgery or something. Usually speaking.
1: Raven's left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, is set to undergo season-ending ankle surgery. This is the second year in a row that he has undergone season-ending ankle surgery. So clearly same whatever they- Same f- ankle or different ankle? Same ankle. So whatever they did to fix the problem, he was not back to hundred percent by the beginning of the season. So round two.
0: Yeah. And Colt safety Julian Blackman suffered a torn Achilles during practice and is set to be out for the rest of the season. Quit tearing your ankle ligaments. Stop it.
1: It seems like it's going to be another rough year for that in the NFL because, like, last year we joked about it's another Achilles injury, but here we are starting the season and we're right back where we left off, basically. Right.
0: It just seems like an injury that happens when you play football, just like the elbow thing for baseball. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to note what that is. You fix it with Tommy John surgery. Yes. It's a ligament in your elbow.
1: That is replaced by a ligament from your knee.
0: Right. Yes. Because throwing is more important than walking. Sure. According to baseball. There was also one trade in the NFL this past week or two weeks that we've been gone. The Eagles have traded three-time Pro Bowl tight end Zach Ertz to the Cardinals in exchange for rookie cornerback Tay Gowan and Arizona's 22 fifth round pick.
1: I'm happy for Zach Ertz. I'm sad for Zach Ertz, and I'm happy for Kyler Murray, and I'll explain. <laughs> Zach Ertz has been underutilized in Philadelphia. One, he should be their number one tight end, and so like I feel bad for the guy because he's played his entire career there in Philadelphia.
0: I feel bad for him too. He had to be in Philadelphia for so many years.
1: That's not the reason I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him because he's been that senior guy for them for so long, and then they just, they're like, We're not going to give you reps. You're not getting opportunities on the practice field with the starting quarterback. So in turn, his performance drops because he's not in sync with the quarterback. And then he's not getting passes thrown to him in the game because he's not in sync with the quarterback. So like, why would the quarterback trust a guy that he's not getting practice with? So it's just like, you guys kind of killed his performance on your own team. And I'm happy for him because he's going to an offense that is already stacked. Kyler Murray loves to pass to a quality tight end, so he's going to get the opportunities that he deserves with this team. As well, Arizona's not a trash team this year like they are in Philadelphia. So I feel like it's a win-win for Ertz. I think the hurt for him is that he's been that guy for so long. Like, they literally told him middle of the game that he was traded. So it's like...
0: The thing that threw me was he also finished playing that game, right? Yes. So, like, he stayed for the whole game. So why would you tell them in the middle of the game? Right. Also, I feel like with hockey, if you get told you're traded in the middle of a game, you don't play anymore in that game.
1: Correct. They usually pull you off the roster slot for the remainder of the
0: game. So like, this just feels extremely weird. Like, you're not on our team anymore, but go be our 11th man or whatever.
1: Right. 11, right?
0: Yes. I I said that right? Yes. Are you very proud of me? Yes. Okay.
1: Are you very proud
0: of me? (laughs) You should be.
1: I am. I'm over the moon.
0: And the last bit of NFL news so we can get the F out of here is Jacksonville Jaguars defensive lineman Dwayne Smoot delivered his newborn daughter at home. It was an emergency delivery as the couple didn't have enough time to make it to the hospital, but it's been reported that both mother and daughter are doing well. That's great. Yeah.
1: It's not often a defensive lineman has to make a catch, but congratulations, he made a good one. <laughs> Nice. Sorry, that joke was there, yeah. and I had to I had to play that one out. Uh, in the MLB world, news is slimming because yay things have pretty much come to the end. We're in the last series at this point. As of last night, the Atlanta Braves won the series four to two over the Dodgers, which is great because screw the Dodgers. I really wish the Astros wouldn't be in the World Series with them. Albeit, I didn't want the Red Sox there either, so it was kind of a lose lose for me on the American League side this year. So it will be the Houston Astros versus the Atlanta Braves. The Houston Astros will have home field advantage because they had the better record during the regular season.
0: I was going to say, they both ended their series 4-2, so you couldn't go off of that anyway.
1: Well, they wouldn't go based off of that either way, so...
0: I feel like you should, sorry. <laughs> right.
1: Either way, the Atlanta Braves coming into August were a 500 baseball team, so th- for obvious reasons, the Astros were not in that predicament, so... They obviously were going to have the better record coming
0: into the playoffs. Because they've been cheating?
1: Yeah, it's still kind of a gray area. They're arguing because they have almost a completely new roster from that period of time that that's not the case. There's only four players from that team still left.
0: But you can teach other players how to cheat. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) That doesn't mean you can't teach them the code. Yes,
1: Right. There have been accusations turned around that it has been occurring during the playoffs, uh, both from the Red Sox organization and the White Sox organization. So uh, I'm sure the MLB will do another thorough investigation where they find nothing wrong with the organization, just like they did with the last investigation. Maybe
0: Um, the people who are accused of doing something wrong shouldn't run an investigation on themselves. Yeah. I didn't mean to open a can of worms. I
1: don't want to root against the Astros, but I do want to root against the Astros. Like, their head coach, Dusty Baker, is honestly one of my top two most respected coaches in the game. Like, he makes teams win games. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it.
0: He comes up with a cheat?
1: No, he doesn't. Oh, okay. He's just a good coach. He wasn't even there during the original scandal. So, like, he doesn't have any part of doing with that. But. I respect him as a coach, so like I kind of want to root for him to win. But at the same time, it's the Astros, and it just feels icky to root for them at this point. So,
0: Why would we not want to root for the Braves? Uh,
1: there's really not a reason to not root for the Braves. They're clearly the underdogs coming into this series, and in turn, they will get my vote for support because, again, the Astros are gross, and you shouldn't root for them.
0: It's, you heard it here first. Yeah
1: realistically, it's just the case. Either way, the first game of the World Series is going to be played on Tuesday night, uh, October 26th. It will be played in Houston. So that's the baseball news I have. I know you had some more. So
0: Wait, that was literally all you had? Yep. Whew, okay. So MLB is going to require teams to cover housing for minor league players next season. Technically, it's not all minor league players, it's certain players, but I didn't want to get into the nitty-gritty of what qualifies them for that and what doesn't. But the MLB owners decided unanimously in September to begin providing housing to certain minor league players. The statement said the exact details are yet to be finalized, but will be announced before the 2022 season. Securing affordable in-season housing has long been an issue for many minor leaguers, Many players find themselves stuck in six-month leases or longer at one level while they are playing at a different level. And the informal subletting that has resulted from this between players has led to players having their credit scores dinged for non-payment, even though they were no longer even living in that city. So they were subletting to someone who wasn't paying the rent. Some players have opted to instead live in their cars or the team's club's houses to avoid having all of these problems with living situations. So I feel like finally we're getting some sort of relief here.
1: Yeah. The MLB is minor league system in comparison to other leagues around the world like that are professional, like the G league and the NBA, the AHL and the NHL. Like they're some of the most underpaid athletes in the major leagues. They're probably one of the worst treated minor league athletes that exist in professional league systems it's just it's kind of always been the way it is and it's unbelievable that it's gone on this long like right you have people that are working part-time jobs on days they're not traveling with the team they're like driving back hours to get to work and just so they can collect a check so they have somewhere to live which is insane Yeah. Like, these are guys that eventually, yeah, sure, if they make it to the big leagues, they're going to make a killing. But a good 80% of the people that play in the minor leagues never see
0: the major league. Right, right. And they still need to be able to live.
1: Correct. And they're important pieces of the system because you never know that any of these guys could be part of that 20% if you give them the proper coaching and maybe support so that they can focus on doing their job.
0: Right. Right. Well, and like, I'm going to drift into hockey for a second, but like right now my team has to do like next man up crap, like never before. Cause we have COVID health issues. We've got personal health issues, not related to COVID. And it's just like half of the players on my team. I'm like, I don't know your name unless I read it on the back of your Jersey. Cause we pulled you out of the AHL And you never know when that's going to happen to your team. Right. And like, I'm assuming that can happen with baseball as well. So maybe you need to treat these people better so that they can be a better cog in your whole system. Yeah. Not saying cog like in a derogatory way, but like in order for your system to function well, all the pieces have to be well-oiled and ready to go.
1: To give you an idea, there were only four teams left in the playoffs this past week. There were 25 players brought up and down through the systems to play in these pennant games, like na- like the National League Championship, the American League Championship Series. Is. So it's like, that's with only four teams. Like, just imagine the full roster of teams calling people up all year throughout the season. You know, like... It- it's crazy to just be like, hey, we expect you to pay rent in this place for six straight months, even though you're going to be there one month and then the next month you won't, and the next month after that you will. And it's just like, it's a disaster.
0: Right. And I'm sure there are some people who go, well, why can't you just do a month by month lease if it's you're going to be so much more expensive? Exactly. If you're going to be up and down like that, why don't you just do that? Well, it's because of money. Yeah. Anywhere the question is, why don't you just do X? Usually the answer is money. Right. So I think this is finally going to give them enough sort of room to operate that hopefully they'll be in better positions as the season goes on next year. And then this one I wrote up not fully understanding this, so hopefully you can (laughs) explain this to me a little bit because I don't think this is actually the award, but Baseball America has awarded their version of the 2021 MLB Rookie of the Year. So it's not... MLB's actual Rookie of the Year. It's a baseball organization or news outlet, whatever you want to call it. And they picked Cincinnati Reds' second baseman, Jonathan India, as their version of Rookie of the Year. He played 150 games during his rookie year and finished the 21 season batting .269 with 21 home runs and 69 runs batted in. Are you happy I know what RBI is?
1: Yes. You're winning all the brownie points for sports today.
0: Mm, brownie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you nailed it on the head. It isn't the official Rookie of the Year title. That's usually not announced until the end of the World Series when right. they do the MLB awards. So.
0: But I saw something that said Rookie of the Year, and I wrote it down, and then later I was like, "But this isn't the MLB's website."
1: Albeit, right now. He is actively trending on the power rankings as the number one rookie for the MLB, so the odds are he will probably win the real one, too.
0: So this isn't coming out of left field?
1: No. Was that a good one? Yeah. Except for the fact that he plays second base, but yes. Yes.
0: He would be really surprised then for something to come out of left field and it, hit him in second base. It
1: really would be a shocker for him. You're probably right.
0: <laughs> but thankfully, that's all of the Major League Baseball news for now. Yes.
1: Speaking of seasons that also started, the NBA started up this week. My Chicago Bulls are 3-0. That's
0: nice. At least one of your teams knows how to win a game. <laughs> yeah.
1: When it comes to uh, that shocking news, last year we ended on a eight-game skid. So it's weird to see them doing so well. Maybe they took some lessons from the championship Chicago Sky. Yeah. Yeah. Hooray us, I guess. The team is looking phenomenal. They're all clicking Zach Levine has even said, this is the first time I've played in Chicago and I feel like we have a championship caliber roster. So I'm like, Zach Levine's been suffering with us for years. So it's great to hear him just be excited to play basketball in Chicago for the first time in a while. But there were some signings this week and last week leading into this week. The No Pelicans, your favorite team, right? The New Orleans Pelicans. Yes. uh, Have signed a two-year extension with Jonas Valasuenas. Worth $30.1 million, so.
0: $15.05 million Yes, per year.
1: Yeah, still a pretty healthy chunk.
0: Yeah. Anyone in the NHL would be happy to have that contract, I'm pretty sure.
1: Right.
0: Or almost anyone. The Clippers have signed Terrence Mann to a two-year extension worth $22 million. That will keep him with the Clippers through the 24-25 season. Obviously, the annual would be $11 million.
1: Still so a pretty good, nice signing for a guy that's like not the main piece for a right. team. The Milwaukee Bucks got down on some signings. One a player and then one I'll let you talk about. But the Milwaukee Bucks signed Grayson Allen to a two-year extension worth $20 million. It's a rookie extension, so it's his second year in the NBA
0: this year. Oh, okay. The Milwaukee Bucks have also signed GM John Horst to a multi-year extension, the terms of which have not been released
1: I feel like that's pretty normal with GMs and head coaches in the NBA. You really we don't, don't hear want about you to them.
0: know how much money we make. Yeah. It's that's kind a, of, a bad sign.
1: It's like kind of the same thing as like collegiate football coaches. Like you never know how many millions they're actually getting paid.
0: Uh, do you really want to make me sick to my stomach right before lunch?
1: No. The Orlando Magics have signed Wendell Carter Jr. to a four-year $50 million contract extension. That one hurts a little bit because he used to be a Chicago Bull and didn't really perform for us, but then has been performing great for Orlando, which is...
0: (sighs) But it's like we've discussed multiple times for other sports. Sometimes a player just doesn't work for one style or system, and you move them to a different system, and all of a sudden...
1: It just clicks.
0: They're one of the best players on that team. It's like, what the hell happened? Yeah. So that's probably what happened with that guy. The Phoenix Suns and Mikhail Bridges have agreed to a four-year, $90 million extension.
1: And the Suns didn't stop with that one, which is already a crazy huge contract. Uh, the Phoenix Suns also signed Landry Shamet to a four-year rookie contract extension worth $43 million. So sophomore year of his rookie contract, tack on another four years.
0: The Grizzlies and Jaron Jackson Jr. have agreed to a four-year, $105 million extension. I didn't realize that would be so hard to say.
1: It didn't sound like you
0: were having trouble with it, but... Good for me. Yeah. The Atlanta Hawks and Kevin Hurtner... Hurtner? Hurtner. He
1: he added a couple letters to that one there, but yeah, Hurtner.
0: (laughs) Hurtner have agreed to a four-year, rookie-scale, $65 million extension.
1: He's never going to let us interview him, ever, because they'll go back and be like, hurt it her. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be like, really, that's what you think of me? It's
0: a Hard name to say, I'm sorry. And the Wizards have given Daniel Gafford a three-year, $40.2 million extension through 2026.
1: The first bit of the other news is slightly controversial, I guess, if you're from China, but otherwise the rest of the world will probably agree with what happened. Um, the Chinese broadcaster of the NBA, they're go by the company name of Tencent, has announced that they will no longer show Celtic games after Celtic center Inez Cantor wore shoes during the game that supported the Free Tibet movement. Um, So you could see them.
0: I feel like I have seen them already. He
1: wore these shoes during the game and posted a video pre-game saying that he was going to wear the shoes while wearing a Dalai Lama shirt and basically throwing the president of China, under the bus for being a ruthless dictator. Needless to say, the Chinese-owned broadcast company, uh, Tencent, was not a very big supporter of them slandering the president of their country. At the same time, the Chinese government actively is doing a lot of these things actively. You have the Uyghurs in the northwestern territories of China being persecuted, murdered, raped, assaulted, and all these lovely things being put into re-education camps. They're doing the same thing in Tibet actively as well. And the Chinese government is denying that these things even exist, even though pictures, videos, interviews of people that have been to these camps are popping up all over the internet. So it's like, you can't deny that the thing is happening if there's proof everywhere around the world that you're doing these things. Like, it's very... And I'll compare it, Nazi-like, to just be like, we, we're we not killing people. Like,
0: There's y- nothing to see here.
1: Right. And, and, like, obviously we don't have listeners in China, so I'm not afraid of our listening ship dropping due to this. But at the same time, it's just, like, people are legit afraid to speak out against the Chinese government. Like, I was literally watching coverage of this by CNN, and they were, like, just kind of walking along the line and not really, like, throwing the Chinese government under the bus – and their pundit that they used for speaking about this subject from Hong Kong, who's in one of those areas where the Chinese government is overreaching actively, is like, the Chinese government is in the right for doing these things. And it's like, wow, CNN, I thought you were liberal, but clearly you're not. You're not at all. Like,
0: I don't know about all that. I think a lot of people just don't want to talk about China and that whole thing that it can cause. Right. i don't I don't think it's that they agree with what China's doing,
1: they're just afraid to speak against it, and like he's taking a stand for something, and honestly like really not getting that much support like his Twitter posts had like twelve thousand likes, whereas like if this was something about another country it would probably have hundreds of thousands of likes and so like the world is kind of like uh do i sup this, and it's like, yes, you should, because people getting killed because of their religion or the belief that Tibet, which is its own country and recognized by the United Nations as a country, is being treated like they're not. They're actively controlled by the Chinese military. So it's like, come on, you sh- we should be supporting this man, not slandering him in the news. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's tough. But that's the political context of the show related to sports. Yeah. So...
0: Seems like that happens every once in a while.
1: Yeah, from time to time. And major athletes should speak out about things like this.
0: Well, they have a platform.
1: Which is much bigger than you or I. So use it if you can for good.
0: Back in the regular NBA news. Yes. Julius Randle has been fined $15,000 for tossing the game ball into the stands. It happened at the conclusion of the game on October 20th. It's weird because I believe his team won that game, and he's just like, here you go. Yeah. Also, the NBA's 75th anniversary team has been announced. The team was selected by a blue ribbon panel of current and former NBA players, coaches, GMs, and team and league executives, WNBA legends, and sports writers, and broadcasters. So everybody got to pick. Pretty much. As a result of a tie in voting, the 75th anniversary team will feature 76 players instead of 75. Seems about right. Highlights of the team include 11 active players that include Giannis, Carmelo Anthony, Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, Devin Durant, James Harden, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, and Russell Westbrook.
1: Did you mean Kevin Durant?
0: It said Devin. That's wrong. I paused there cuz I was like that doesn't feel right. It, yeah. You know? What do I know? Yeah. I was just proud I got the other names correct. Right. So you'll Forget Kevin Durant. That's so normal.
1: <laughs> He's only the number 1 rated player in the NBA. Forget, about Forget it. it. No big deal.
0: I had so many brownie points and now I'm negative brownie points. <laughs> it's okay.
1: If you misread the article or accidentally clicked the button, I'll let it slide. It's one. It's not so bad. But I think the funniest thing to come out of this is that Clay Thompson wasn't included because of his injuries over the last three seasons. So Stephen Curry uh, in the locker room because Clay Thompson came back for the first game the other night since this like injury prone period. And they hung up a jersey with, uh, his normal jersey number is 11, but they had a jersey made for him with 77 since there were only 76 players added to the 75th anniversary team. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you're our honorary 77th player for the team. And, like, literally Steph Curry is just dying, like a child laughing when Klay Thompson sees it. He goes, really, guys? Really? You had to take that shot at me? And Steph's like just losing it. So it was pretty funny that that kind of came out and it didn't include him because the reality is had he played in the last three seasons, he probably would have been in that group. Right. So.
0: Also, the team will include all 50 members of the NBA's 50th anniversary team, which was named in 96.
1: Makes sense.
0: And six international players from six countries and territories have been selected for the 75th anniversary team. But the full team roster can be seen on the NBA's website if you want to look up all 76 or 77 players.
1: If you add Clay Thompson.
0: Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And in the world of soccer, for the MLS, I only have one bit of news from the time we were gone. MLS has fined interim Miami CF coach Phil Neville for his comments toward the league's officiating after an October 9th loss to the New York Red Bulls. MLS did not disclose the amount he was docked for, but said his comments were in violation of the league's public criticism policy. The things he was saying about the officiating was to do with their losses and how they blamed officiating for the losses and that he basically called for an investigation into those claims saying that it's not their fault they lost. That the refs were out to get him, basically.
1: So like I understand if you're losing like one goal games and they're like bad calls on offsides or whatever, but like if you're losing multiple games in a row by multiple goals, which is what Inter Miami's been doing. Right. It's like, yeah, I really don't have a leg to stand on, dude. Like you can't blame the referees for two, three game or three goal losses. Like it's just not
0: there's nothing really to back you up on that front. Right,
1: your team still is playing like crap, so it's just like you can't really be like arguing at that point. Now, if you're losing by one goal and the play was probably offsides, then yeah, I could see where the officiating might come into play. But VAR does exist in the MLS, so how bad can the officiating crew really be? Right. I was going to talk great things about how Manchester United was probably going to beat Liverpool today, but...
0: It's not going well.
1: Yeah, really not well. Uh you guys are actively down four to zero as At it half sits. Time. And you guys have been on kind of a skid lately. You lost your uh Champions League game. You've lost, drawn, and lost for your last three games, and it looks like you're gonna add another loss, so not so great. I can't speak that much better about Newcastle. We did get our first point in three games with a draw yesterday with an amazing bicycle kick from Callum Wilson. Being that coached, was a
0: fun goal to look at.
1: It was beautiful goal to look at. And and knowing like how much strength goes into trying to get a proper bicycle kick in the air is a lot. We're still in 19th place. Didn't do any justice for us, to say the least. Uh, the middle of the pack right now in the Premier League is very tight. There are four teams with 14 points, including your team. So, like, 7, 8, 9, 10, all 14 points. So, like, it's a pretty tight group in that middle of the pack actively. But right now we have Chelsea in first place. Liverpool is actively in second place with the points they'll get if they win this game. Manchester City is in third place with 20 points. West Ham is in fourth place with 17 points. And Brighton, which is, I think, the biggest shocker out of everything... They came up into the league only three seasons ago, but they're in fifth place right now in the Premier League. They're just getting it done. It's kind of impressive. Uh, obviously, Brentford, the sleeper story that we were all hoping is going to go well has fallen off their horse. They've lost their last two games and in pretty nasty fashion to multiple goal losses. So I'm I'm hoping they still turn around. There's a lot of season left to go, but it's looking bleak again for them. So. They've been sliding down the table drastically because I think the last time we talked, they were in sixth place and uh, they're actively down to 12th, Yikes. so they've taken a little bit of a skid lately. But in the world of Bundesliga, everything is fine in the world. Bayern Munich actively is sitting in first place is on the top of the table. Is
0: fine in the world? With is a it?
1: goal differential of 25 positive, uh, thanks to a 4-0 win yesterday. Dortmund is in second place with 21 points with a goal differential of 10. SC Freiburg is in third place with 19 points with a goal differential of 8. Actively Union Berlin is sitting in fourth place because Bayer Leverskin, who had the lead for 90% of the game, ended up drawing out against the opposing team they were playing. So in turn, they slipped down to fifth place from third place last week, which has them in a Champions League opportunity spot for a playoff but you know there's still a lot of the season left to play actively with the victory that union berlin is currently leading in 1-0 they will be in fourth place red bull leipzig is in sixth Mann gladbach who for a long time was like one of the top three teams in the bundesliga is in 12th place so they're having a rough go of it this season I think that pretty much wraps up all the chaotic world of sports news. We came back from international break. Germany qualified for the World Cup. Both the men's and women's national team.
0: No one is surprised about that. So, Or at least they shouldn't be.
1: Right. So uh, I'm excited to see them back in the World Cup. At the same time, I'm hoping they don't disappoint me like the last one they did. Uh, they played well in the Euros. So who knows? Maybe we'll get a little taste of some Germany soccer magic in uh, Qatar next year. So... But other than that, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen. We'll see you on Thursday for a book episode.
0: In the meantime, make sure you're staying in contact with us on all of our social media, which will be linked in the show notes.
1: And we'll see you then, guys. Bye.
0: Bye.